Welcome to Inside Hogwarts, a Harry Potter podcast made by kids for kids. I'm Daisy. I'm Vaughn. And I'm Sophie. And today we're talking about chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Nicholas Flamel. We're nearing the end now. Yeah, we're we're pretty close. There's like um, four more chapters after this. I think so. Okay, so before we get started with anything, I just want to tell you guys... Um, today we are not using our mics, as you can probably tell based on the quality of this episode so far. Um, it's just, they weren't, um, the mics were working, but like, I don't know, we were having problems with Anchor, so we're just not using the mics today. We're going to figure that out and we'll have mics next time. So, um, hopefully you can get through this episode with the terrible quality. I'm sorry about that, but. That's just how it went. It's not terrible. It's just it's it's not just very you good. can you can hear a lot of background noise. Like if we like, I don't know, accidentally hit the table that our mics or our stuff is on. Yeah, hopefully, Vaughn didn't just annoy the heck out of your <laughs> ears if oh you have gosh. headphones on. Um. Okay, so let's get into our chapter. So Dumbledore had convinced Harry not to go looking for the mirror of Erised. So his invisible invisibility. I'm telling you, I cannot say that word. His invisibility cloak stayed at the bottom of his trunk for the rest of the Christmas holiday. Harry started having nightmares of his parents being killed in a flash of green light. So, why do you guys think he's still having these nightmares? Is it like... I feel like it's unlikely that a one-year-old could remember something like that. Do you think it's just because it's traumatizing? I don't remember anything from being a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably was, like, so scary. Probably, like... You know, it, it's kind of, it's like probably just because it's head. so traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. It was so, like, <laughs> burned into his memory. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so when Harry told Ron about the nightmares, he simply said that Dumbledore was right. The mirror could really drive you crazy. Hermione was horrified at the idea of Harry being out of bed three nights in a row and was disappointed that he hadn't at least found out who Flamel was. So that's all that really matters to her. If you break the yeah. rules, but at least you find out who Flamel is. That's, that's great. That's the important thing. So they had uh, they'd given up looking in library books for Flamel because it was hopeless. But Harry knew he had read the name somewhere. Harry had to rely on Hermione and Ron to keep looking because Quidditch was starting up again. Wood worked the team harder than ever, and Harry agreed with him because if they won against Hufflepuff, they would overtake Slytherin in the lead for the first time in They're the year. They're obviously going to beat Hufflepuff, training or no training. That's true, yeah. but... And I'm not just like... I'm sorry if you're a Hufflepuff and you're like, oh, we could totally win. Harry's better than, like, anyone, so. Uh, except Charlie. Well, I mean, at Hogwarts. Um, So I'm still really confused about how the system works of, like, places in Quidditch. So, I'm like, does this mean that after the first match, Slytherin played Ravenclaw, won, and then went into first place? Does that is that that means? So now yeah, Gryffindor would play so. Hufflepuff, and so does that mean it's point based? You get points based on how you. I you mean, get like, points like you you earn the points you earn in the game. Yeah, for so, the house. So if you if you got fifty and then you caught the snitch, which is a hundred fifty, yeah, you'd have two hundred points. Oh, okay, okay, because it never clarifies that in the book, and I just wanted to. It might be in Quidditch of the Ages, but I haven't read that. I read that, like, a few months ago. You know so. how, before Harry came, the Slytherin, Slytherin was always winning the Quidditch yeah. Cup. 
and everyone's so angry and annoyed yeah. by it. That's pretty much the same thing with Harry. That's true. When Harry came, they always won. Yeah. Every year. That's probably extremely obnoxious, but I feel like Ravenclaw... Okay, well, Ravenclaw seems like a competitive house, so they would probably be pretty angry, but I feel like they'd be used to it at that point. Just used to losing. Yeah. Hufflepuff? I don't... I don't think I would be mad. I wouldn't really care. Yeah. Because it's not like they get any special treatment. I mean, they ended the year like banners. Or I don't know if this is in the book, but I know it's at least in the movie. They decorate based on the colors. It's in the the book. book. Okay. Yeah. Because other than that, it's not like you get a special treat. It's just yeah. you just you, you just earn the Quidditch cup and have yeah. banners. You don't really get anything. I, I think it just like takes pride into your house. Yeah, that's true. So um, one practice would deliver the team with bad news, saying Snape would be refereeing the Grufflepuff match. Oh, Grufflepuff! Grufflepuff? <laughs> Gryffindor and Hufflepuff. Did you do that? Did you yes. make that up? Wow. Well, I mean, like it's kind of the combination, you know. Well, did you make it up? What about Ravenclaw and Slytherin. No, but I've heard people say Rufflepuff, which is Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, so I just said Grufflepuff. What about then what Slytherin? About Slytherin and Gryffindor. Gryffindor. I don't know. S- uh, Sriffindor. <laughs> Slyffindor. Slyffindor. I don't know. What about okay. Slytherin? Well, we don't Do need to. Think- we, we'll okay. just, they'll come yeah. up eventually. So, um. After their practice, everyone stayed back to talk, but Harry went right up to the Gryffindor common room to talk to Ron and Hermione. They were playing chess, which was the only thing Hermione ever lost at, which Harry and Ron thought was very good for her, which it is. Yeah, because she always wins everything. Or she's good at everything. Mm -hmm. Except for Quidditch and chess. Yeah. Harry told them about Snape being the referee. He tells them something every chapter. Every chapter, it's like, Harry had to go tell Ron and Hermione. Oh, after he told them, this is how they replied. But every chapter. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just noticing, like, it comes up every episode it. of this podcast. Um, Like, the part with the three-headed dog. Yeah. He's the only one that ever hears or sees anything. They aren't. They don't ever come and tell him something. It's like he's always telling them something. It's because Hermione doesn't wander a lot. She's just like, okay, I gotta go to this class. I can't That's true. go to the library. I have to go to this class, and then I can stop at the library. That's and get a true. Book, but yeah, then I have to go to this class. Harry, Harry, um, <laughs> Harry's goes, just like he goes lots of different places, like at random times, and yeah. he gets lost a lot with Ron. So that actually makes sense. Um. Uh, so they responded with, don't play, say you're ill, pretend you broke your leg, really break your leg. Of course Ron said, really break your leg. Although Madame Pomfrey could easily fix it so he could play. Um, Harry told them that he had to play because there was no reserve seeker. And I said, why? Why is there no reserve seeker? Is there a reserve anything? Yeah. I've never heard. Like a backup? Yeah. Oh, uh. There should be. I don't know why there's not. Yeah. They don't even have to be good. They just need someone to play for them. In case. I know. I don't... That doesn't make sense. They should at least... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, then at that moment, Neville toppled into the common room, and they immediately knew he had the leg locker curse, so he had to bunny hop all the way up to the common room. 
And I said, it's a miracle he didn't fall off the stairs. Can you imagine? He's so uncoordinated already. How did he make it up the moving staircases with, like, trick stairs? with With his legs stuck together hopping he he can't even make the it up the staircase with two legs fun both fully functional yeah how did he make it up bunny hopping he I, probably fell over a few times i wonder what this came, looked like what if he fell off the stairs oh my gosh yeah he would have that'd, pretty, that'd um, be pretty bad what teacher do you think most likely would have helped him of all the teachers in the school uh which teacher would have performed Snape the would have probably pushed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, push him off. McGonagall would have told him to that he should know the spell to fix it. Probably. And just leave him. Dumbledore. And then Flitwick would help him. A Flitwick, yeah. That's or Dumbledore. I, agree. I think Dumbledore would have helped, but he also yeah. probably would have been part... I think Dumbledore would have been part Flitwick, part McGonagall. He probably would have been like, Neville, you're supposed to know this, but I'm going to help you this one time. Yeah. Flitwick would just immediately help you. He wouldn't question it. Um, everybody laughed except for Hermione, who performed the counter curse. Leave it to Hermione to help people. How do you guys think Neville was feeling at this moment? When everybody like, was if, laughing at him? Yeah, if, um, if the books had been written by Neville's perspective, do you think maybe he was embarrassed, or do you think he was just kind of laughing it off, or what do he you guys think? He was probably embarrassed. Well, I mean, if you look in the book... It, it it would probably say like his face turned red, so probably it didn't. I don't think it said that, but oh. he. I feel like he's been laughed at so much in his life that this probably wouldn't bother him that much. That's at least what I think. Yeah, you could, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So Neville told the trio that Malfoy had done it because he was looking for someone to practice it on. Um, Ron told Neville that he needed to stand up for himself because Malfoy was used to walking all over people, and Neville told him that there was no need to tell him he wasn't brave enough to be in Gryffindor because Malfoy already had. Why would Malfoy say that? What has Neville ever done to him? Is he just like, I want to get back at Harry Potter, so I'm going to say something mean to his friend? Um, maybe. It's probably, he's probably just taking advantage of him, just trying to talk down on him. Yeah. Since, you know, he doesn't really fight back a mm-hmm. lot. So he can kind of... He's your typical bully. Yeah. Or he's just... Or, or Neville is just like his dummy to practice That's on. true, yeah. <laughs> um, Harry handed Neville a chocolate frog and told him that he was worth 12 of Malfoy and that the sorting hat chose him for Gryffindor. Talking a little bit off of that, why did the sorting hat put him in Gryffindor? He might... Sorry, but this asking, might include spoilers. What if, what if you ask Gryffindor? I already, I know that he, I know that he was asking for Hufflepuff. He didn't want Gryffindor because he knew that he wasn't going to be successful in Gryffindor. He wanted Hufflepuff, which I can see him in that house. Yes, he's definitely a Hufflepuff. Like I've said many times before, Gryffindor and Hufflepuff are very similar houses. Yeah. They have similar traits that I think anyone in Gryffindor house could have possibly. But later in the series, Neville, he obviously proves himself. Do you think it's, the sorting hat knew that was going to happen? Probably. I mean, it, it's not like it would tell everybody, oh, I can see the future and well, this I know is that, what's going to happen. But what do you guys think? But it could probably tell something does. It, it probably doesn't tell like, oh, this ha- happened with all of these details. But it probably comes up with the conclusion that something is going to happen and they will need him yeah. to be brave. Yeah. So, okay. 
I I just think it was intuition for the starting hat. Like I just got a feeling, you know, this yeah. is gonna be the kid. Neville gave Harry the card, which was Dumbledore again, but he looked at it more closely and gasped. <gasps> Harry told Ron Gasp. and Hermione that he had found Flamel. The card said, and his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. Nicholas. Hermione. Hermione jumped to her feet and ran up to her room and came back carrying a huge book. Hermione opened the book and read that Flamel was the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. She handed Harry and Ron the book and they read, um, I can, do you want to? I can. Okay. Go ahead and read it. It's on my page anyways. Okay. The ancient study of alchemy is, sorry. The ancient study of alchemy is concerned with making the Sorcerer's Stone a legendary substance with astonishing powers. This stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. There have been many reports of the Sorcerer's Stone over the centuries, but the only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas Flamel, the noted alchemist and opera lover, Mr. Flamel, who... Sorry, Mr. Flamel, who celebrated his 655th birthday last year, enjoys a quiet life in Devon with his wife, Pernell. Pernell, yeah. Yeah, 658 years ago. Um, why did Hermione not remember that? She remembers everything. She knows everything from her books. How did she yeah, not remember yeah. that? Maybe or, she hadn't gotten to it, but, like, how would she know where to look? If she already found it, why didn't she tell him? Seriously. I mean, she probably just well, didn't. Either she didn't remember, which is unlikely. I don't think or that there's category, could anything. Or, or there's categories in, categories in the book. and she. Oh, yeah, like the, the table of contents. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, if she, had found, if she had found that category, then why wouldn't she tell them? She probably hadn't yet. Well, she, well, she went upstairs, brought a book that in it. Went to a well, she probably that was on. She probably I know, but she probably like well, she probably had already pre-read the table of contents because I do that a lot of the time when a book has a table. I of know, contents. but why didn't she tell them that she found a part on it? She probably wouldn't have remembered. Just go ahead. So okay, can we turn off Vanitas on here? Yeah. Read the. Oh no. Oh, oh wait, no, we can't because of the audio situation. Oh, um, yeah. It's fine. Hermione, Go ahead, Hermione concluded that the dog was guarding the stone and they moved down with Gringotts because they knew it wasn't safe there. Harry and Ron were talking about what they were doing, what they would do with the stone, and Ron said he would buy his own Quidditch team, which reminded Harry about the upcoming match with Snape as the referee. Harry decided he was going to play instead of faking an injury or something like that. Harry got more and more nervous as the match got closer. Hold on, Vaughn's making noise. <laughs> hey, time here. It's not that hot. Yes, okay, it is. keep going, so Harry thought Snape was following him around sometimes, like he, like, sorry, like. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I I wrote my note kind of weird. You Harry thought Snape was following him around sometimes. He might, he thought that Snape might have figured out something about how Harry and Hermione and Ron figured out something about Nicholas Flamel. yeah. And he got a crazy idea that Snape could read minds. Foreshadowing. Okay. Fifth book. Yes. Ron and Snape. Hermione. Okay. Sna- oh, Snape. Okay. 
Ron and Hermione broke their wands because they were they learned the leg locker curse that they got from Malfoy. I mean, the idea. So they can use it on Snape if he showed any signs of wanting to hurt Harry. Dumbledore even came to the match, so there was no, like... Snape looked mad, too, so... It's like... Nothing could happen to Harry because yeah. Dumbledore was there. Draco was sitting behind them and made a rude comment about how long they think Harry can stand. Actually, story. really quickly, I think that the reason Snape looked mad when Dumbledore came to the match is because if Quirrell tried anything, Snape could not have gotten away with, um, like, like performing the counter course yeah. curse without Dumbledore seeing, and then Dumbledore probably wouldn't believe his theory about Quirrell, and then, uh, it would just lead to a whole chain of events, probably ending up with Snape fired. Yeah. Well, you know, Dumbledore, this may be a small spoiler, he trusts Snape. That's true, but, like, really I, still, I still think that, like, um, that if he had performed a counter curse in front of a bunch of students on another teacher, it probably wouldn't look very good. Well, and they did the same, it was already, the same thing was already done. I know, but he was sitting down that time. This time oh. he's in the air on a broom. Oh, yeah. So, I think that that would look weird to students, and I think the students would tell the parents, and then the parents would be all weirded out because they went to school with Snape, and like, yeah, yeah it was just a whole chain no, of events. Man. Go ahead, Sophie. Okay. Right there, there's a penalty. Um, what? Okay. Right there. There was a penalty to Hufflepuff because Fred hit a bludger at, bludger at Draco. Draco said that the only people that make it into the Gryffindor team are the people they feel sorry for. Oh, yeah, totally. Harry lost his parents. Ron, it's the Weasleys. Are poor. Are poor. And Nothing else. Oh, and to... Neville has no brains. Yeah. And Neville said, I'm like 10 times as smart as you. Smart yeah. As you. I'm, yeah, I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy. Oh, or, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it is, yeah. Uh, Ron was busy arguing with Malfoy that Hermione had to point out him that Harry was diving. And I actually, I read this part in the book, and it was so funny because it, it's like Malfoy, I think Malfoy points at the ground. He's like, look, that's why they're arguing, I think, because Malfoy points oh, at the yeah, ground. I, like, I know, I know this part. He's like, it's, in my, it's in my part. Okay, well, you didn't write say. a note on it. No, so. let me say it. Okay, mm-hmm. then go. It's in my part. Ron snapped and started... Oh, no, uh, sorry. So, Harry dove, and Malfoy said, Don't worry, don't worry, uh, Ron. Harry found a coin for you. No, no, it's like, I think, I think, I think Harry's spotted some money on the ground. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh, he's so good. That's, like, the funniest thing. It actually made me laugh out loud. Ron snapped and started wrestling Malfoy, and Harry, he flew straight at Snape and caught the snitch. After the match, Harry went to the broom shed to put away his nimbus, and he saw a hooded figure he thought was Snape enter the forbidden forest. So he climbed on his broom and landed on a tree above the hooded figure. Uh, he saw Quirrell and Snape, uh, uh, who mentioned the Sorcerer's Stone. Snape said, uh, well, uh, Quirrell said, uh, why did you want to meet me? And then, uh, privately, and then Snape said, well, the children aren't supposed to know about the Sorcerer's Stone, are they? So, he asked Quirrell if he had found a way past the dog. Uh, Quirrell said that he didn't know what he was talking about, so 
Snape said that he didn't want him as his, as his enemy, and he left. Harry then went back to the castle where they were having a party in the common room. Harry and his uh, friend George, they stole some food from the kitchens. And Harry and his friends, they found an empty room and talked about what had happened. Oh yeah, Harry told them something again. <laughs> Harry thought that the sun probably has loads of enchantments guarding it and that it'll only stay safe as long as Coral stands up to Snape. Yep. And then Ron's like, it'll be gone by Tuesday. Yes, it will. Okay, now let's do our one movie go, which Vaughn is going to read. So you can go ahead and read that. At around one hour and 40 minutes, uh, in the extended version only, when Harry is reading about Nicholas Fimmel on the back of Ron's Dumbledore card, the lime green can clearly be seen where Dumbledore's picture is supposed to be. Okay. Um... Let's take a short break, and then we'll be right back with our analysis part of the episode. What are we doing? You'll see. Oh. And we're back from our short short break. break. I feel like I say the same thing every single time we come back from the break. Hogsmeade Journal. Yes, our Hogsmeade Journal. So, there's not really that much this time. I mean, there's, like, no new new news on com, but... So, um, you can listen to next, next week's chapter, Norbert the Norwegian Dragon, read by Jason Isaacs, Tom Felton, and Helen McCroy. Oh, wait, no. McCrory. McCrory. There oh. we go. <laughs> Jason Isaacs is Lucius, Tom Felton is Draco, and Helen McCrory is Narcissa Malfoy. Also, WizardingWorld.com got a nice new update. So you can go check that out if you would like. I mean, it's pretty much just like a bunch of organizational stuff, but still cool. Still a nice update. You can go look at it. Um. So as normal, or wait, oh wait, never mind. I don't really what? know what I was going to say. Um. So this analysis episode, as you can tell from the title of the episode, we're going to be talking about Nicholas Flamel. I think you meant as normal. We're going to put the, the link to the Yeah, the, to, that's what to I was going to say. We're going to put all the, the two links... From our Nicholas Flamel part in the description, so you can go look at those. And we're going to be talking about real life Nicholas, um, in book and in real life Nicholas, and just in like fantasy, yeah, legend stuff. So this is going to be really cool. It's just a lot of history about this real person. So he was real. Yes. Nicholas. Wait, what? He was a real person in real life. That's not in the book. No, he's a real person. He's not in the book. He's he's in both. In book. He's in real life and in the book. Yeah. Okay then. So Nicholas, is this like real world or book? Right. We're talking. I, about. It's right there. It says real life. Oh, okay. Real life. Nicholas Fumel was a French scribe and a manuscript seller. After he died, people believed that he was the alchemist that discovered the philosopher's stone, which grants immortality. Flum. Oh, you can read that. Go ahead. Flamel lived in Paris in the 14th and 15th centuries. He ran two shops as a scribe. Scribe, which is like, because, um, okay, Vaughn, actually, you explain. A scribe basically is a writer. Yeah, but, like, because they were one of the few people in those kind of societies that knew how to write. They knew how to read and write, so they would write all the, like, the advertisements, stuff like that for the king. They studied things. Yeah, but they were the pretty much one of the only people that actually knew how to read and write. So that's interesting. Um, 
Flamel lived into his 70s and died in 1418. There is no indication that real Wait. Nicholas Flamel was involved in alchemy, pharmacy, or medicine. Um, I thought you said he lived in the 14th and 15th century. Oh, yeah. no, no. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, I, I, so, for, I forgot. It's like one behind. Yeah. So in real life, he was definitely a scribe. And he owned yeah. these two chops. But there's no indication that in real life, I mean, there are clues, there's like um, legend stuff, but there's no real solid proof that he was involved in alchemy, pharmacy, or medicine. So none of that. That's just all legend. You know, we would still like to believe it's true, which we can, yeah, so but there's no solid proof. The legends of Hamel's life are based on the 17th century works and say that he made the philosopher's stone, which turns metal or sorcerer's in- stone if you live in America into gold. And him and his wife Perenel achieved, per- immort- Perin- yeah. achieved immortality through the elixir of life. But in Britain, they kept it as philosophers. But the American publisher, in case you didn't know that already, uh, the they decided to change that. it to. Sor- but literally stone. everywhere else, it's philosopher's stone. Yeah. So you lucky people, because I wish it was that here. I don't. We had to be unique apparently um so an alchemical book called exposition of hieroglyphical figures was attributed to flannel flannel was said to have used this book and another that's titled i cannot read because i don't speak other languages to successfully replicate the recipe for the philosopher's stone producing first silver then gold so apparently let me just shrink that down to a simple sentence so he was said to have used two books one of them is hieroglyph uh exposition of hieroglyphical figures and another book um which he used for the recipe to make the sorcerer philosopher stone um which made silver and gold oh wow super cool so the, the this next part is wizarding world flamel and real flamel so not actually that no it's I just mean, like the, facts kind of mixed in together the philosopher's stone is like whoever has it is like midas kind of kind of yeah yeah so um this is kind of a mix of um wizarding world and real flamel you'll probably be able to tell if it's wizarding world stuff because it'll have to do with stuff that we hear about yeah. in the series or but we'll, if it's fact we'll say fact flannel was said to have met his wife Paranel at Bob. Batons, not a fact. Bow batons, whatever, however you're saying it. That's not a fact, obviously, but that's super cool because Bow batons. I want to go to Bow batons. Wait, what's her name? Paranel. Paranel. Okay, Paranel had widowed twice before and brought her fortune from her two previous husbands into her marriage with Flamel. That's why they're so rich. Yeah, that's That's a fact. That's a fact. That's why they're wealthy because she had two previous husbands that were extremely wealthy, and then she brought all that money. Yeah. To Flamel. So after their marriage, Flamel continued his career as a bookseller. They were wealthy, they owned several properties, and donated money to the French Catholic Church. That's a fact. Well, actually, the one before this was a fact, too. They're yeah. Both facts. Okay. Uh, their wealth and philanthropy, willing to help others, helped support the idea that Flamel was an alchemist. Um, he died in 1418 and was buried under a tombstone that he made himself, and that's a fact. Oh, um, his will, oh, his, his will. will made in 1416 left much of his library to his nephew, Pierre. Perrier. Perrier. Fact. That's a fact. So some people don't believe that Paranel and Nicholas actually died. 
Wow. That's, I mean, that's a fact. Yeah. Well, yeah. There are reports, there are reports that say they fake the two faked their own deaths and escaped to India, and that their immortality was all down to his alchemy genius. And that's in the Western world? No, it's a um, fact. No, it's like, fact. people actually think this. In yeah. real life, people oh, wow. actually think that. Flamel's interest in alchemy began with a book. It is said that one day a stranger approached him with a rare manuscript that Flamel had recognized. Not long before this, he had had a dream in which an angel had told him that one day you will see in it that which... Wait, what? One day you will see in it that which no other man will be able to see. Oh, she's talking about the the recipe. The manuscript, I mean, the book. I mean, manuscript, book, same thing. Uh, it was written by a man called Abraham the Jew. The Jew, yeah. Okay. The book was written in languages that Flamel did not understand, including Hebrew and Greek. It was full of symbols that Flamel knew were instruction, instructions on alchemy. Nicholas spent 21, tr- 21 what, days? Years. Tw- 21 years trying to decipher the book. He couldn't find any answers in Paris. He went to Spain to find a Jewish scholar and met Maestro, Maestro Canches, a Jewish man living in Lyon. Uh, Canches translated the pages that Flamel had with him and agreed to travel to France with him to translate the rest. Canches became ill during the journey and died before they made it to France. Oh, gosh. Go ahead, read the next Canches one. had taught Flamel enough, so over the next three years, he was able to translate the rest of the book which taught him the secrets of her, her hermeticism, which is an esoteric 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 tradition based on divine writings. Um, esoteric, esoteric is um only a small group of people with similar interests would know it. So like, um, I guess with like um alchemy might be an esoteric tradition during that time because only a small group of people would have known it. Yeah. His incredible wealth and generosity brought Flamel to the attention of Charles the Sixth, Sixth, the Sixth, yeah, who had who had him investigated, but but found nothing of interest. I think that's fact. Yeah, I think. So some people believe that Flamel was invent was invented in the 17th century by publishers who wanted to sell supposedly ancient alchemist books. Flamel's reputation grew up to the large number of books attributed to him, including The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Morales, and Dogma, and of course Harry Potter. So even if Flamel did not discover the elixir of life, all of the legends about him have kept him alive. Nicholas Flamel in the Fantastic Beasts 2. Wait. Oh, he's he in is, there. He's in okay. Fantastic Beasts the- 2. If you Really? Um, yeah. When? Um he's the guy with the white hair. And like the, I thought that was Grindelwald. He's wearing now that's oh no yeah Grindelwald has white hair too but he's like the guy that has white hair that's like sticking out and he's wearing kind of like a white dress and you actually see the Sorcerer's Stone. I'll show you a picture when we're done recording because I don't want them to hear all oh, the that's... noise from the computer. Um, so based on what we've learned, do you guys think he actually discovered the elixir of life in real life? In real life? Yeah. Oh, no. No. Yeah. No. I would love to believe it. Because it seems cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. Okay, so that's it. I know this episode is probably going to be a little bit short, like maybe 30, 35 minutes. Um, sorry about the quality of the audio. We're going to fix that next time. It'll be all back to normal next time. Thank you so much for listening. 
um please leave us or um you can follow us on your favorite podcast platform and please leave a review it just it a review and rating on apple Podcasts will just help um grow our podcast people will be able to you can get read, better mics better equipment you just know. depending on more people listen how many people listen um how much how much do we have we earned so far i don't know is it- i haven't checked in a long time but um thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time bye Thanks for listening. Make sure to check back every Tuesday for more Potter-based content.